You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The following podcast is a production of the Factual Data Creations Facility. Hello and welcome to the OFNT podcast episode 179, which I'm calling Liberal AI and Other Tech Things. Before I start, I have a correction. I misquoted a line from the old song, Summertime, last week. I said it went, summertime and the weather is easy. Well, the actual line is, summertime and the living is easy. Sorry, Ella Fitzgerald, wherever you are. It's tech news, and we'll start by getting the usual artificial intelligence stuff out of the way. Fiction writers fear the rise of AI, but also see it as a story to tell, reads the headline from WPTZ, which is a local television outlet from Plattsburgh, New York, and former home to Plattsburgh Air Force Base. Well, I just thought I'd throw that in. <laughs> the gist of the article is that thousands of professional writers fear that AI will be taking a lot, if not all, of their business away from them and that the fear is credible. However, many are finding that AI can be a plot point for their work and are taking advantage of it. Writers who formerly took politics, the pandemic, or climate change for their inspiration are using AI as either the subject or the backdrop of stories they are crafting. Perhaps if their creations of the aforementioned subjects weren't so politicized in the first place, these authors wouldn't have much to worry about. I don't know about you, but I read books and watch television and movies as an escape from the constant hammering of politics, the pandemic, and climate change. I'm hammered with that stuff on a daily basis. What say you? An article from the New York Post explains why we'll probably continue being hammered by the subjects I just referenced in the last story, with the overwhelming opinion from just one side summed up by the headline, 
ChatGPT has a significant liberal bias, researchers say. This is a subject I've talked about previously on this show. Back then, I reported on how some early users of ChatGPT found the AI bot had an obvious political bent and warned of how this will be used, or should I say misused, in the very near future. Well, now it's official based on research undertaken by UK-based researchers. Academics from the University of East Anglia tested ChatGPT by asking it a series of political questions as if it were a Republican, a Democrat, or without a specific political leaning. The responses were then compared and mapped according to where they landed on the political spectrum. What the UK-based researchers found was a systemic political bias towards the Democratic Party in the U.S., Lula da Silva in Brazil, and the Labour Party in the U.K. Other researchers have also demonstrated political biases, such as the AI's refusal to write an article about Hunter Biden in the style of the New York Post, while accepting a prompt to do so if it were CNN, which is a very left-leaning so-called news organization. Last March, a conservative think tank, the Manhattan Institute, published a report which found ChatGPT is, quote, more permissive of hateful comments made about conservatives than the exact same comments made about liberals, unquote. You can see where this is all going and why certain political organizations are so desperate to obtain the power of AI by buying billions of dollars of AI chips from NVIDIA, as I reported in the last episode. The AI is only a reflection of what it is fed. If you would recall the old computer programmer saying, which is very applicable here, the old saying went, garbage in, garbage out. According to Engadget, Microsoft is holding a special event on September 21st. This will follow Apple's rumored September 12th iPhone announcement and Amazon's September 20th hardware event. This means that the tech season is almost upon us. And I'll finally have some things to discuss. <laughs> yeah, boy. We can expect some new Surface devices from Microsoft and likely some other gear. Of course, we'll be hearing about ChatGPT and other AI-related items. I guess our old friends over at Google will be hosting their Pixel event shortly after. My best guess would be early October. I look forward to seeing what the company does with Chromebooks, that is, if they do anything at all with that operating system this year. The cult of Mac website, as well as others, are positing that we'll be seeing Face ID on Mac models real soon now. We've heard that before, but hey, maybe it will become reality with the next batch of MacBook and iMac releases. This conjecture is based on Apple recently being granted a patent for adding Face ID to MacBooks. To be honest, I'm not as hyped up as others about this, as currently I use my Apple Watch to open my various Macs, and it works just as fast if not faster than Face ID, works on my iPhone or iPad. Of course, you have to be wearing your Apple Watch and be logged into it via your passcode for it to unlock your various devices. I wouldn't be against Face ID being included on Mac models, but for me, it's just not that exciting. How do you feel about this rumor? The Intertube's rumor mill is ratcheting up the closer we get to the giant fruit company September iPhone event. The latest is that we will see a new A17 Bionic chip coming to the iPhone 15 Pro lineup, which will make the things even more faster than they are now. The regular poor person's iPhone 15 models will be stuck with last year's A16 Bionic chip. Most people won't notice this and be perfectly fine with the older A16 chip. My lovely wife and I are most likely going to be springing for the Pro Max iPhone 15 this year and upgrade every three years instead of the two-year cycle we're now on. 
I just want the best and largest screen I can get this year in order to be able to write and edit more easily on the go, while my wife just enjoys having the latest and greatest for, you know, bragging rights. Also, the pro iPhone lineup is supposedly getting an upgrade to 8 gigs of RAM versus the 6 of last year's model. Again, with mine and my wife's usage, we probably won't notice any difference from the regular iPhone 13s we both rock right now. But I guess going with the top-of-the-line model iPhone this year will help future-proofing our purchases. And finally for the tech section, next year's Apple Watch, which the tech press is calling Apple Watch X, is rumored to be getting a complete redesign and perhaps blood pressure measuring and tracking. Now, the blood pressure monitoring feature is something I can get behind because I suffer from hypertension along with other old fart maladies. Watch X will also feature a mini-LED display, a new magnetic watch band system, and a thinner case if the rumors are to be believed. All these updates sound fine and dandy, but I would also like to see increased battery life in order to be able to track my sleep without waking up to an almost dead watch. Well, time will tell. These rumors are making my wife and I hold off on our planned upgrade of our Series 7 watches we have now. We can go for the Apple Watch Ultra, but I refuse to plunk down 800 bucks for one, much less buy two of them. Until the Apple Watch can replace the phone in most situations, I'll be sticking with the standard model. Thank you. Tech I'm using. Well, previously I had mentioned buying two Ring indoor cams for the price of one during Amazon's Prime Days, which took place last month. I finally got around to installing them last week, and I'm very satisfied with them. These two indoor cams joined the two I already have, which I bought last year. When I purchased these new additions, I didn't realize that they were the updated version 2 models. Heck, I didn't even know there was a new version of this camera. Besides coming in the color black versus the white color only of the last model, they feature a privacy shade and an increased field of vision. Other than that, not much internally has changed. The installation procedure is much smoother and quicker than the previous models, which I appreciate, and the black color blends better with my furniture. Recently, my son's automobile was struck while parked in front of the house, and the mope who did it kept on going. My ring doorbell cam failed to record the incident, which didn't come as a surprise to us. Unfortunately, the offending person was never caught. With this incident still fresh in our minds, I mounted one indoor cam facing out from our living room window, which covers my driveway and all of my front property. I was going to mount a ring battery-powered stick-up cam, but I'd have trouble changing the battery when it became time to do so. I turned off motion detection alerts on the new camera, but have audible personal alerts enabled. This setup augments the doorbell camera, which, as I've said previously, has a mind of its own, alerting us to the presence of someone when it feels like it. I thought that having the camera mounted behind a pane of glass would hamper its ability to provide a clear view, but that concern has been proven to be false. And speaking of ring cameras, the stick-up cam model I use to monitor the back of my property always seems to have a weak Wi-Fi connections or sometimes no Wi-Fi connection at all. This despite my mesh system's strategically placed modules. To hopefully remedy this, I purchased a TP-Link AC750 mesh Wi-Fi range extender from Amazon for $20. TP-Link is the manufacturer of my Deco M9 mesh system, so I wanted to stay within the brand for compatibility's sake. The cheapest Wi-Fi extender I could find at Walmart was double the price, so I guess you can say I got a deal. Installation was smooth and simple via an app, but I already have an app for my mesh system, but was forced to download yet another for the range extender. I wish the company would just combine all these separate apps into one big one. 
So far, the extender seems to be doing its job, reflected by the strong Wi-Fi signal the outdoor stick-up cam now reports. When I get a chance, I'll see how far the Wi-Fi signal covers my backyard because I would like to mount another stick-up cam towards the back of my property. I need to do this because for some reason people like to dump garbage there and I would like to report them to the proper authorities, as they say. I'll update when I can. Do you remember an early email service which was called Juno? No! I was a long-time user of Juno's application-based email and enjoyed it, swearing to myself that my Juno.com email address would be kept forever. Well, of course, that didn't happen, and I haven't used Juno for at least a decade. I figured the company was out of business by now. For some reason last week, I was waxing nostalgic and decided to do an online search for Juno email. To my surprise, Juno is still in operation, though the service is web-based these days. I haven't done it yet, but uh, I might just see about getting another Juno account just for old time's sakes. <laughs> At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Entertainment news. Well, there's still no joy in the land of entertainment with no end in sight for the actors and writer strike. Beleaguered Disney has just announced a layoff of over 150 crew members. Bah! And the company's basing the layoffs on the strike, but I think the recent string of flops, both on the Disney streaming service and in the movie theaters, has a lot to do with it. There are rumors that the House of Mouse will soon start selling off properties it owns, like Lucasfilms, for example, to help them stop bleeding money. We'll see what happens in the future. 
As far as the old fart household, my lovely wife is immersed in the watching of shows from the old country thanks to the VPN I recently installed on her iPad while I continue to watch YouTube mainly. We did watch the Russell Crowe exorcism flick, The Pope's Exorcist, the other evening. While watchable, we both felt that it could have been done better. As for myself, I just started watching the television series Twisted Metal on the Peacock streaming service, which is based on the PlayStation game of the same name. I find the show well-written and acted, with it being the mindless entertainment I've been craving for lately. Podcast News Apple temporarily removed all episodes of the Glenn Beck podcast from its directory last week. Mr. Beck is a conservative commentator and stated that he received no warning nor reason for the removal. Apple blamed the events on a glitch and all was well later in the evening as his episodes were restored. Someone somewhere made the comment, why do these glitches only seem to affect conservative commentators and never those on the left? What was weird about the whole situation for me is that I quickly checked the podcast index on my podcasting 2.0 apps and Mr. Beck's shows weren't listed there either. The whole purpose of the podcast index was to ensure that the shows couldn't be canceled by the big boys. Supposedly, every podcast with an active RSS feed will always be listed, thus available for consumption. Let's see what the podfather and creator of the podcast index, Mr. Adam Curry, has to say about this. Odyssey and their Cadence 13 advertising unit have cut ties with American public media, costing Odyssey millions of dollars because of the voiding of the contract with APM. A spokesperson for Odyssey stated that even with the financial hit the company took, they would still be saving money. There was no elaboration on the statement, so your guess is as good as mine in what that meant. American public media is an offspring of national public radio, and both have been hemorrhaging money as of late, causing them to cut many podcasts loose from their large stable, so perhaps advertising with them is no longer profitable. Descript, the AI voice cloning editor company, has bought remote podcast studio service Squadcast. This purchase gives Descript a sort of hosting service as the company seems to be expanding. I've never used these services of either company, but those that do usually rave about them. I'll just stick to my old-style editing and hosting methods, I think. <clears throat> Continuing in that vein, well, at least for this podcast, I added two plugins to the old toolbox. One is a free noise elimination plugin called Goyo, and the other is a voice equalizing plugin from Waves called Voice Centric. The latter was on sale, so I picked it up for a song and a dance, as they say. I'm actually using both for this episode, so can you hear a difference? Probably not. Well, I paid for a noise filter plugin from Waves called Clarity VX, which I finally got to work in my editor. I prefer the free Goyo plugin, which I find better sounding while using. I had previously used a plugin from Isotope called Nectar for voice equalization, and I just wasn't satisfied with the results I was getting. I used Nectar for the last episode for reference. While using Nectar, I got a buzzing artifact that I can hear while using my studio monitor headphones and while listening to the episode play in the car. So far, I'm not hearing that buzzing noise while using voice-centric. You probably don't and won't notice a difference, but let me know if you do. A 
It's story time. The title of this week's story is Musical Taste. In my misbegotten youth, the thing I was most passionate about was music. Since I was a young teenager, I built up quality stereo components on a budget in order to pursue that passion. While many of my peers shared that same passion for music, they went about it different than I did. They learned various instruments in order to play it, and I decided that was too much work. I was better served by listening rather than playing. It wasn't that I didn't want to actually play instruments, I just couldn't keep up with the lessons and practice sessions, which were, of course, required to obtain some sort of mastery over the instrument one chooses. I would lose interest shortly after having a great start to the learning process, and not just with musical instruments. This pattern has repeated itself with all my endeavors. If I were younger, I'd have probably been diagnosed with some sort of attention disorder and medicated for it. Well, in those ancient times, there were no such diagnoses or medications to treat them. Whether this is a good thing or bad, well, I'll never know. My taste in music never seemed to follow what my crowd was into. They were into, like, country rock, pop rock, and Led Zeppelin. They were all the rage. And I didn't care for any of those genres, and I didn't care especially for Led Zeppelin. Yeah, I know it was and maybe still is considered blasphemy not to like Zeppelin. I was into bands like Frank Zappa, King Crimson, and, and the like. My favorite band, and who are still my favorite, is none other than Black Sabbath. While my acquaintances and friends were fawning over the newest Deep Purple album, I was hunting down the latest Black Sabbath effort, which was a hard find back then, as most people considered the band's style as depressing coffin music, resulting in little demand for their albums. At the time, I thought I was just weird, but I believe I was ahead of my time, and I evidenced this by no one listening to Deep Purple these days, but still playing Black Sabbath records. The day I enlisted in the military, I went to my first Black Sabbath concert at Madison Square Garden following that enlistment. I had nosebleed seats, and if I were any further back, I'd, well, I'd be outside of the venue. I arrived late to the garden because I had stopped off to see my father, who at the time worked for the NYPD. He was stationed at the 20th Precinct, right off Columbus Avenue and 86th Street, and when I saw him, he and the boys congratulated me on my enlistment by reaching into their desk drawers and producing bottles of hard liquor. Those were the days, I guess. Upon telling my father that I had tickets to the concert and was already late for the show, he volunteered one of his guys to take me there. So I was loaded into a large, unmarked police vehicle and dropped off in front of Madison Square Garden by an inebriated homicide detective, sirens blazing all the way downtown. Well, you should have seen the looks I got from security who just waved me through. I arrived just in time to catch the last two songs from the opening act, who was Ted Nugent. For some reason, Black Sabbath was late coming out and the crowd grew restless. Eventually, none other than Frank Zappa came out and made an announcement that the band would be taking the stage shortly. I recall members of the crowd asking out loud what I was thinking. What was Frank Zappa doing at a Black Sabbath concert? Well, you know, I finally found that answer last week while watching an old interview with Tony Iommi, the leader of Black Sabbath. It seems old Frankie was a fan of the band and was supposed to play with him that night. Black Sabbath was late to the stage because Tony's guitar had to be restrung, and once they started their set, 
One problem followed another and they decided not to let Mr. Zappa play because they were afraid things would further deteriorate, thus embarrassing the perfectionist that Frank Zappa was. You know, I had almost witnessed an epic moment in rock music history. The set was kind of lackluster, but I still enjoyed it, and the experience made the next Black Sabbath concert I attended at the Oxford New Theater all the much better. Well, the music is playing as the episode fades into the oncoming evening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed making it for you. If you like what you heard, you can make a donation using the link in the show notes. Any and all donations will be greatly appreciated. You can always reach me at OFNTPodcast at gmail.com, if you're so inclined, that is. I'd enjoy hearing from you. Remember, don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. Hey, I already told you that the episode was over, so get off my lawn. Stay skeptical. I'm out. See ya. about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.